Cold open today on the Cold Stove Podcast. I am live from my dining room uh, because your boys in COVID protocol, NRD. How are you doing? I'm not in COVID protocol. We thought about making a move to the taxi squad for you, Britt, but we saw how that went the past couple of weeks when we took off and we decided let's rip it. Let's play sick. Yeah. Flu game. Flu game for Brett Merriman. You know, it, it would be a flu game if I felt really any symptoms. I don't. I, I was telling you before we recorded, I was like, I, I, I can tell I'm not 100%, but I don't have like a necessary, like I, I can't pinpoint a symptom other than just I can, I feel like I'm sick, which is, and it, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but. It's the worst feeling. Protocol. This, yeah, it's the worst. Rocking feeling. from home for the week. There you go. We're glad you're um, right, though. We're glad you're here. At least you're here. I, I will I will battle through for our cold stove listeners every week, any week, COVID or no COVID. Um, surprised it took me this long, honestly, to get it. But I went to a wedding last weekend, and and I am now facing those consequences. So let's talk hockey, though, shall we, NRD? Get right into it. The Vancouver Canucks have restructured their front office. This was a long time coming. Names were flying all over the place. Patrick Alvine is the general manager coming over from Pittsburgh, and Emily Castonguay is the assistant general manager. Very happy for her. Very happy for Patrick Alvine. What's next on the list in uh, in Vancouver? There's still more hires to come in Vancouver, including a couple more female front office executives. I believe, and many believe, around the NHL in the next in the next couple of weeks and days, you might see some some names that are involved with Hockey Canada that are currently going over to Beijing for, uh, for the Olympics. So that's why you might see this delay in filling out the rest of the front office staff in Vancouver. But I got to be honest with you, and, and I've been wrong many times in my life, and I like to think that I've been right more times than I've been wrong. I will admit I was dead wrong about Jim Rutherford going back to when they made that hire, and that's listen takes a lot out of me to admit when I'm wrong. Those that followed me on yeah, Twitter credit, for as many Credit years. to you for admitting you're wrong. Wow. It's it's big news for NRD admitting that he wasn't a spot on on something. Um, no, but Jim Rutherford has filled out front office so far of extremely young and innovative executive talent. Patrick Alvin was with him in Pittsburgh for a little while. He's also the first Swedish-born general manager in the National Hockey League. So kudos to him. Kudos to the uh, Trey Kronar over in Sweden for getting their man in charge of the Vancouver Canucks. Alongside Daniel and Henrik Sedin, too. So there's, you know, Swedish connection there. And Emily Castange, who's probably more than anyone else, the most deserving of a front office position in the National Hockey League. She's the first female agent to be um, uh, verified, or can't think of the word offhand, but by the NHL, uh, the NHLPA, accredited by, that, that's on me, accredited agent by the NHLPA, first female, and the second female ge- assistant general manager, of all time in the NHL. And much like when we talked about Kent Hughes last week in Montreal, I think it is invaluable to have an agent, a player agent in your front office, especially when it comes to negotiating contracts, especially when it comes to having somebody in the room that's spot on aware of the value of these players around the National Hockey League. Because listen, that's what Emily's been doing for her living for the past you know, couple of years now. She's had to know exactly what her clients get on the open market in these negotiations and whatnot. So now that she's in the room in Vancouver, making those decisions, I think it's going to improve the contract structure in Vancouver. We were talking about before the show began, how they're still paying two goaltenders in Vancouver. You won't see too many contracts blow up in their face. Now you'd like to think with Alvin and Castangay in place. And I was dead wrong on Jim Rutherford building a dinosaur front office. It's fresh, it's innovative, and it's new. 
And I'm excited to see what the Vancouver Canucks do at the deadline and going forward because I think there's brighter skies ahead for them. Yeah, I think we're going to see – that's a higher we're going to see more is that agent turn front office. Not that it hasn't happened. It's happened plenty. But it's almost going to be like, okay, uh, 10 years ago, a couple teams had an analytics department, and now everybody does. Now it's, it's going to be that the team has the resident agent who turned front office just to kind of gauge where people's heads are at, connect in the industry, et cetera. I think that's going to be a higher we see a lot moving forward because it makes a ton of sense. It's just, hey, this guy worked at Octagon or CAA and, or this girl, and she knows the, the values. She knows the people in the industry. She knows what this guy wants, what, the, what makes these guys tick now, sometimes better than front office people do. So I would expect that becomes more of a common hire as far as position goes. And then number two, I just wanted to point out that it feels like the 2015, 16, 17 Pittsburgh Penguins are now uh, dominating front offices around the league now. Yeah. No, hey, you look at the executive talent that was on that, uh, in that front office for their Stanley cup for the back-to-back Stanley cup run. And it shows and take Jim Rutherford out of it. You talk yeah. about Bottrell and, you know, Patrick Alvin. There's so many Carmanos. names out there. Carmanos in Buffalo now. There's so many names out there now that have branched out to premium, premium roles in front offices around the National Hockey League. And, you know, I'm going to eat crow again on, on old Jimmy boy, but it makes you think that he's not the dinosaur that I thought he was considering look <sighs> at the talent and look at how his front office executives have been dispersed around the National Hockey League. He clearly, yeah. he clearly has a good mind for evaluating front office talent in addition to hockey players. And like I said, it's really exciting to see that lineage grow as well as you know help out a franchise like the vancouver canucks which their fan base is all the world deserving of it so sure yeah and you know i i will take a he's he still is a dinosaur right like you don't hire bruce boudreau unless you're a dinosaur so he's but i will give him credit that he is very much open to mixing the new and the old right like he's gonna take some guys from pittsburgh he's gonna hire bruce bruce boudreau but he's also gonna go hire emily castonguay and and get innovative with with trades and that fan base and move the team from Utica to Abbotsford, which makes a ton of like things like that. I think are are what you need as a general manager, as a president of hockey ops, um, et cetera. And I'm excited to see what they do. And and one of those names that obviously has been hot on the block is is J T. Miller. Great player, him and Besser and and Horvat and all those guys in Vancouver. Better on paper than the record shows. And obviously with Boudreaux at the helm, that's that's changed a bit. But what do you see them doing at the deadline, buy or sell? I would still lean sell just because the position they're in, the division they're playing, and the teams they're amongst right now. The slow start, and as we've seen with the Islanders too, the slow start can basically ruin your playoff hopes. Even if you start to catch lightning in the bottle, they went 8-0 to start Bruce Boudreaux's tenure behind the bench. They've slowed down a little bit. They're dealing with some COVID issues in net. But you can still point back to the start they had to the season. It's just, it's a killer in terms of, you know, trying to make a run here. That being said, I still, I, I would lean more likely than not that JT Miller gets moved just because of the bidding war that's going to ensue, right? You're going to get teams like Boston, like Florida that could step up and make a play after this guy. But, you know, he's their best player by far. And I believe... It might have been Jim Rutherford the other day, you know, in the press conference with Emil, uh, Emily Castanaghe, who mentioned that JT Miller is their best player right now. 
And for as bad as they started the year and for as consistent for the most part as they're playing now, their big issue was the mesh in that locker, right? Like, and how getting guys to buy into the system and wanting to win here and, and saying that we're not going down a dark path. If Miller's part of that system that's working well in Vancouver, I think you really have to protect that asset and really think long and hard about moving with a, moving a guy that's played as well as he has. I know many have linked the New York Rangers, and I, I will continue to stand here and throw a little bit of cold water on that. Not to discredit anybody, because I know some people were trying to pick fights with me on Twitter. I'm not saying he said, she said's wrong, and I'm right, or vice versa. I just have heard to the contrary. There was a lot going on with JT Miller being moved from the Rangers and the organization. And this is not just John Davidson and Jeff Gordon, but the organization as a whole. Their, their thoughts about JT Miller, the person and the player. And I think that um, it's not as clear cut. Obviously, I could be wrong again in that sense, but I'd like to think I'm right in this, this instance. I talked to some people around the New York Rangers organization, and I get the vibes that it's not gung-ho for JT Miller in New York. If they happen to lock themselves into that situation, I could see them going for it, but the price might be too high and they might want to go another route. Yeah, you know, I can see if it's next year, right? So JT Miller has another year after this season on his deal. Next year, if they're in the same position at the trade deadline and they can do the old uh, rental and then re-sign in the summer, a la Claude Giroux, perhaps. But this, he, he still has another year. He's still he's he's a, a relatively cheap asset. A, a guy that I see, like what what kind of raise is Brock Besser getting? He's five eight seven five right now, RFA. I mean, he's going to be looking at seven million, eight million dollars a year. So I I think the JT Miller stuff where. I, I agree with you. He's a hell of a player. He's just, it's just a weird term time. You know, it's, it's not a rental because he's got another year. It's, it's not cheap, but it's not expensive. I think if this were next year, it'd be a different situation, but excited to see what happens there. Regardless. Um, NRD, another team though, that is going to be looking at the deadline, probably selling at this point because they've lost, I don't know, 14 in a row. That is, excuse me, winless in their last 14, right? That's the Philadelphia Flyers, NRD. Um, should they just blow the whole thing up, or, or what are you thinking? Yeah, it's. I tweeted something last night about the Flyers lacking zest, and I got beat up for it. And I, and in hindsight, which is always twenty twenty, probably wasn't. I was trying to. Exp- they need. They need oomph. They need something. They're missing something in that lineup because you can't say that they don't have decent hockey players, right? They have Claude Giroux. Still playing like a man possesses here. I think he's one of the few guys in that locker room on the ice, game in, game out for the Flyers, that is showing maximum effort, that wants to win under any circumstances necessary. And that's a testament to Claude Giroux being, you know, one of the Mr. Philadelphia Flyers. That being said, they I don't want to say grit because that's overplayed. I don't know if they need like a first guy in, last guy out type of guy in that lineup. But they just... I guess talent, and I don't want to demean the guys on that roster, but talent plays a big part in it. I think losing Jake Voracek has done more than we probably realized, and I think the Flyers are starting to realize that too. A guy like Jacob Voracek, what he did really well for the Flyers system for so long was he generated offense. He was a shot taker, right? Like Jacob Voracek is good for two, three, four shots a night if he's playing on a top two line. They don't. They brought in Cam Atkinson, who scored. Uh, he was hot to begin the year, and then he's kind of cooled off for the Flyers. Cam Atkinson is a physical forward. He gets a lot done in the two-way game. 
but he's not an offense driver like Jacob Voracek is. Jacob Voracek would stand by the circles and take shots, get pucks on net. That's how you win hockey games. That's how you score goals. The Flyers sorely lack that presence. They don't have Katoria in the lineup. They don't have Kevin Hayes in the lineup right now. Their defense is in shambles. The goaltending is what it is. I think people have given Carter Hart a lot of flack that he doesn't necessarily deserve. Um, but So there's a lot wrong in Philadelphia. In terms of blowing it up, listen, Giroux going to be moved. There's no secret there. I know that Ports came out that he's going to discuss with his agents coming up at the All-Star break whether moving the no trade, whether waiving the no trade clause is in his best interest. And I, I do personally believe it is. He's going to go on and get a Stanley Cup. Thanks to Elliot for confirming the uh, the Colorado stuff and 32 thoughts yesterday. There's my humble brag for the for the night. But there are teams that are going to be looking at Claude Giroux. He's the main, main piece if you're blowing it up. Nobody's going to take JVR's contract. So it's hard. So we sit here and say blow it up in Philly, but it's not as easy as, hey, we're just going to start moving these guys out. The, uh, the JVR contract hurts you. Provorov's a good young defenseman. If you move him, you better be damn sure that you bring it in the next Ivan Provorov, who actually hits his potential. And Carter Hart's there, and he's inconsistent. He's good, but he's inconsistent. So it's not as clear-cut. I'm a little nervous for Flyers fans about the direction in terms of the front office, and not necessarily Chuck Fletcher. I I like Chuck Fletcher a little bit more than most, but it's the ownership. And I'll stop there. I'll just leave it at that. What is bringing in, or, you know, Mike Yo is, is sort of the interim coach. They bring in a, another guy. What is – is that just – hey – we obviously know this year is, is going up in flames relatively quickly. You're bringing in another voice for the sake of bringing in another voice, or is that is that targeted in some way? It's From my understanding, it's targeted in the sense that John Torchetti took over for Mike Yo in Minnesota behind the bench when Mike Yo got fired there. They have some history together. They've worked well together, you know, despite taking the former's job. But – it's setting up with as much coaching talent as possible. The Flyers were in pursuit of Adam Foote. That obviously didn't come to fruition, but they were pursuing Adam Foote to work with the defenseman there in the system. They're looking pretty good for, one, by the way. What did you say? I said he's a, he's a pretty good one if you're going to look for one. Fantastic defenseman. Stanley Cups, Colorado Avalanche, couldn't get better than him. Didn't work out, but they're still looking for coaching talent because they really don't have a fix-all. So I think it's more of bringing in as many talented people as possible and let's reevaluate at the end of the system. I don't think you're going to fire Mike Yo. He's already, you're not going to go to the interim's interim head coach. He's lost 13 in a row. I think their issues go way deeper than who's behind the bench right now. That's not to say Vigneault was, you know, a gem. I think he needed to go. But I think it's bringing in as many coaching prospects and talent as possible to kind of evaluate at the end of the season what direction we need to go in. As many different voices can help sometimes in a rebuild. In a rebuild. What is a guy like Eric Lindros up to these days? Snubbed out of the Hockey Hall of Fame. He belongs in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I don't want to hear it. That conversation is going around a, a couple, uh, couple different sports, I'd say. But I'm looking at I'm looking through Philly's roster right now. Their core is Atkinson, Konechny, Scott Lawton signed for like six years. Oscar Lindblom, great story, couple years on his contract. There's just nothing. There's nothing about their team that like. And, and you know what? Like I like a guy like Travis Sanheim on defense too. I hate Ristolainen, but that's neither here nor there. It's just they feel like a team that's going to finish, you know, between 12th and 18th in the league every year. There's just no – who are you going to go to for a goal when you need one? 
Claude Giroux, he's getting up in age. I love Joel Farabee. He's he's hurt every now and then. There are a lot of injuries this year, but it's just they kind of feel like a team that doesn't have a direction. And I think that's probably why the coaching changes have, have happened. I think that's why they'll probably take a long, hard look at what they're doing this offseason. And we'll go from there. Hopefully Giroux can go to a place where he can win a cup, maybe bring him back to finish his career as a flyer, et cetera. But I don't know. I don't know where they go. I, I don't know if there's hope. They looked absolutely listless against the Sabres who put up their own dog shit effort last night in Ottawa. But I was watching that Sabres game and it looked like they were on Chippewa till 4 a.m. the night before. Like it, it was stunning, the lack of effort, the lack of like communicate. There's nobody looked like they wanted to skate. Yeah. And what's like- what's interesting about that is the Flyers actually showed I thought they showed great effort in their game against the Islanders last night, but both teams kind of look like a rudderless ship right now. Yeah. Ugh. The East is interesting, man. Everybody talks about how the East is uh, is already already done, and I get it because Detroit's the next closest. They're eight points behind Boston, I believe, and Boston's got three games in hand, so maybe. But it's going to be an interesting race to the bottom in the East, but I guess we'll see what happens there. NRD, you know what I am interested in, in this uh, this weekend, though? Heard there's some big games on this weekend. There's some big games on this weekend. NRD, four teams remain in the NFL playoffs and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, that's crazy, by the way. New customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Are you kidding me? If you're not a new customer, you can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. NRD, who are you on this weekend? So, much like you, I was on the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. I'm still legitimately, legitimately tears after that game. I haven't cried in a long time, NRD, I had a tear go down my eye. That's how awful I felt about that game. Yeah. I You can't bet against Kansas City at this point. Mahomes is getting hot at the right time. So I, I like Mahomes over Cincinnati. And I like San Francisco if I'm betting okay. the, uh, the football games. I like San Francisco over the Rams. How about, you you mentioned your uh, your hockey streets too, Hunter. Do you you hopping on DraftKings for any of your hockey uh, wins lately? I am an avid DraftKings uh, sportsbook player for my hockey wins, and our D bets is killing it. And quite honestly, I'm not going to give out my picks because when I give out my picks, they lose. Uh, I think you can give out maybe maybe a certain co-host. I don't know. Uh, maybe see if you're on the email list. Download the DraftKings sportsbook app now. Use promo code Washed. That's W-A-S-H-E-D. And get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code WASHED for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now, here's the disclaimer. You must be 21 or older in the following states, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. 
See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, NRD, now that we've paid the bills with ad reads and hopefully money from our winnings gambling, what's the latest with our friend in Arizona, Jacob Chikrin? So things got hot the other night, thanks to Jeff Merrick in the intermission of the uh, Rangers-Coyotes game. I believe it was last Saturday, I want to say. And he dropped the Rangers, obviously, being a team hot for Jacob Chikrin, amongst others, amongst the, the Kings, the Bruins. You know, the Panthers are obviously big ones in there. I st- then Elliot Freeman comes over the top yesterday and says he believes that the Kings and Rangers have kind of cooled off in that sense. I still think the Rangers were in hot pursuit of Chikrin. I just think that, similar to a couple other teams, yeah, they're going to get priced out. Florida's just as aggressive after this guy. We know that the price hangs around couple of first, Anton Lundell possibly, even Spencer Knight in play. So if Florida goes that route, it's hard for me to see many teams beating that. I mean, if you would talk about, let's say at the high end, it's Lundell Knight in a first. The Kings can't compete unless they put Byfield on the table, which they're not going to. The Rangers are not going to be able to compete because Kravitzoff just isn't the prospect that, you know, or isn't the potential young player that Anton Lundell is. So – I think that's why we're starting to get a little bearish about the New York Rangers and the uh, LA Kings. Boston, extremely interested in Jacob Chikrin. He's a Boston Bruin type player. I know Don Sweeney. And I can, see, I can yeah. see the name on in that like yeah. yellow name on the Bruins black jersey. Once again, I think price is just, just the main factor. You look at the prospect pool that Boston potentially has to move compared with Florida, if Florida does include those names, and it's non-contest. Maybe an outside chance of Jeremy Swayman swaying some things for the Boston Bruins if they prefer Swayman, a guy with a little bit more NHL experience, to Spencer Knight. They have Vimelka there in the net in, uh, in Arizona. They're going to resign him, but I don't know if he's the long-term answer. So goaltender could be in play here. But once again, cost, I think, is the biggest issue for a lot of these teams. And the only team with the cap space to afford it throughout the duration of the contract and the cost to get it done is the Florida Panthers. You know, I saw an interesting uh, interesting point for – I think it was Elliot pointed it out – that the the Coyotes sort of let loose that they actually want to keep somebody, and that's Lawson Krause. They're like, yeah, actually, that's – no, 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 he's off limits, which is kind of funny coming from the Arizona Coyotes where I think their entire team is up for either a trade or a new home next year. But they're like, no, 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 Lawson Krause is where we draw the line. I, I found that I found that uh, and a, he, a funny little point. Interestingly enough, despite kind of being the, the the tire fire of the league, the Philadelphia Flyers over the past couple of weeks have shown a ton of interest in Lawson Krauss. Chuck Fletcher, big fan of the player from back when he tried to draft him in Minnesota. And he's the type of guy that he's that type of gritty, zesty forward that can score, that can throw on the body that I think the Flyers sorely lack. So they did actually, in fact, show interest, and I've had that confirmed. But it's a non-starter now because, you know, the Coyotes really got to protect those premium assets there in the desert. Literally everybody but this one guy. You know, it's, and it's funny because, like, a guy like Phil Kessel, where the chicken it's been chicken 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 but Phil Kessel's going, he's going to be somewhere new at the trade deadline. He might live in Scottsdale for the rest of his life. I could see that happening, but – where does Kessel go at this point? Has he played himself into a well enough situation or played well enough to get himself into a situation where he's going to go to a cup contender? 
you know. Or is he a weaponized cap space guy? Like, what happened? No, I think he plays himself honestly, and I, I don't, I don't know two from ten in this situation. But I will say this: How great would it be if the dollars work out? If Phil Kessel ends up back in Pittsburgh because they're red hot right now. Ooh, what's black, white, and red all over? It's the Pittsburgh Penguins on fire right now that's that's the answer to the riddle they are playing out of this world is it 16 and 2 in their last like 20 games or 18 games or whatever they're 17 and 2 in their last 19 Ooh-wee. they're 8 and 2 in their last 10 and they're on a six game winning streak and phil kessel obviously very close to Sidney crosby and evgeny malkin and i just wonder like i said i don't really know anything this is more speculative than anything else if they can make it work and if they really feel that they're primed to make a run at this if Phil Kessel could potentially be the guy, I mean, he fits in that system better than any, arguably any other rental on the market. I could see it. It, uh, it makes sense as we like to say on the cold stove, but does the money work? They have $4 million in current cap space. So one would say that probably, and I'm looking at Pittsburgh roster. Now they are in a very much win now mode. I mean, they, have a ton of contracts coming off the book after this season. Evan Rodriguez is going to get a huge raise. Dan Heinen is going to get a raise. Um, Chris Letang, what do you pay Chris Letang? Hopefully, I mean, ideally he takes a home down discount, but I don't know if he's going to. You have a guy like uh, Brian Rust is up. Kasperi Kapanen's up. He's an RFA. Gino, obviously. So they have a very interesting offseason in Pittsburgh. And a guy like Phil Kessel would make sense in the interim to, 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 hey, can they give it another go this year? It really is one of the last runs that Pittsburgh is going to get with this core. And like I mentioned, you can't really do better with the fam- familiarity in Pittsburgh than Phil Kessel. So. Uh, a guy that was a former Pittsburgh Penguin is now a Chicago Blackhawk. Is he a Blackhawk much longer? And that is Mark andre Fleury. So – Humbly and graciously, I didn't tweet this one out last night, but we sat on this very podcast last week and talked about potentially the Washington Capitals. We did. And and then, so you can confirm we did. And then a certain numbered blog puts that out there in the world. So well done us. That being said. Rhymes with 42. 10 less than 42. (laughs) Um, Nonetheless, I do think that that's a real possibility. I mean – Vitek Vanacek has not played great. Samsonov is not ready to take over the lion's share of the starts that the Capitals thought he would have been able to by this point in his career. So they can really use a third guy. And that's much like why they tried to sign Henrik Lundqvist before last season. To be that guy that kind of holds down the fort, level of consistency. No one's saying he's going out there and winning in Vesna. But if he pitches a 2.50 goals against average, you know exactly what you're getting out of that guy every damn night. And I think Marc-Andre Fleury is by far and away the guy that makes the most sense for the Washington Capitals if that's a route they go down. What's Chicago going to want to – what's Chicago going to want in that deal? You're looking at upwards of a second plus. Maybe it creeps into the first range. If Chicago really sticks to their guns and they say, we want to rebuild this thing and continue to retool for the future. So the asking price is going to be high. But – no movement clauses talk. Who knows if Marc-Andre Fleury is ready to be a Washington Capitol. But if he is, I would think – I'd like to think that he'd prefer to be there than a place like Edmonton at this point. So speculate slash rumorate slash whatever. 
away on Mark Andre Fleury at the Washington Capitals. Yeah, and, and like it's it's kind of funny. The goalie market always heats up, but there also has a tendency to become goalies that are available, like a Vili Huso, for example, that all of a sudden pop up out of literally nowhere, and now is going to cost a team a first round pick. Like that's the funny thing about the goalie market is we go in saying, well, Grubrauer needs a replacement and. Edmonton's going to need a guy, and then whoever the the Vancouver guy was last night, Martin, puts up 45 saves, and all of a sudden he gets mentioned in one blog, and now he's on the list for somebody. You know, it's just it's a it's a market that I'm not going to be comfortable commenting on until like the trade deadline happens, until it's a week away, and we actually have some juice on stuff. Because the the popular line now is to say, oh, Eunice Corposalo sucks, and and yada, yada, yada. Like, uh, smoke screens happen, especially in the NFL. Like, you can ask uh, scouts, hey, do you like this guy? They're like, oh, yeah, but we like this guy better. And, not, and then five of them say it, and it's all because they want that other guy. You know, it's just – it's amazing how negotiations happen in the media. Seeds are planted, but – I don't know. I'm not. Know, I'm not going to comment on goalies. I don't think for another month. I'm going to give one more comment on goaltenders. I know there's a lot of speculation that the uh, the Edmonton Oilers are a little hesitant to pay. You know, some of the asking prices out there for the goaltenders, namely Corpusau, namely Merzlikens, namely you know Flurry. I think if there's one guy you sell off for, I would probably say Billy Husa. I like the way he plays in St. Louis. He's a big goaltender, strong plays at the top of his crease. I like the way he plays the game, and I know it's a little bit of risky business for the Orioles taking flyers on these guys that might be, you know, 1Bs, but I think if there's any 1B out there that has the potential of becoming 1A, it's really Huso. And with, with Huso, like, was he a was he a guy? Or is he – you you know the goalie market better than I do. Is Billy Huso is, was supposed to be the savior? Was he supposed to be a Shesterkin? Or is he like, oh, wow, this is insane? I think it was always a 1B. Like, uh, not, you know, this is really rudimentary trying to make comparisons here, but like a Semyon Varlamov type guy that he can start and he can back up and he could be that 1B and he can eat games for you. Honestly, if I were Doug Armstrong in St. Louis, I'd consider keeping him and trying to bring him back in the fold. I know you have a lot of money tied up into Jordan Bennington right now. For like a decade for a decade because he won that Stanley cup. And I get it. You're loyal to a fault. You know, the Eagles weren't to Nick Foles, but the blue, uh, the St. Louis blues are to, uh, to George Bennington, but you know, he's a hell of a goaltender. I like him better than most out there on the market. So if St. Louis doesn't keep him and I'm in Edmonton or I'm a New Jersey team that, you know, we could talk about their golden goaltending situation, especially now that it doesn't appear that Mackenzie Blackwood is the elite goaltender that the devils thought he was going to, project into and they have enough goalies goaltending woes as it is outside of you know Blackwood with Blackwood being injured and Bernier with the hip surgery and now they're down to you know Giles or whoever they have in the net he's another name there that I could see New Jersey if I were the Devils I'd pay a little bit more to get Philly Huso in the fold and potentially have him work in with Blackwood as a 1A1B you know tandem going forward I like Huso I think he's the better name out there on the market and I think teams are starting to realize it too and I think that's why Doug Armstrong's going to have a high asking price on this guy too. Don't be surprised if it creeps up into that Mark Andre Fleury range. Let's stay in New Jersey for a second. I mean, a team that 
still young on paper. Many thought they might take a step. Lindy Ruff not, might not exactly be the coach for this team. Where where do they fall right now? Are they just trying to figure things out as, as they go? I think you're just biding time to the end of the season. I still, you know, I was told going back, I mean, this is in the early iterations of the Cold Stove Pod that I was told that Lindy Ruff would probably not finish the season in New Jersey. I still trust the, the source of information on that. That being said, it appears I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Black Monday comes around the Monday after the it, which is the NFL's kind of coach firing day. And in the NHL, the day after the NHL regular season ends, they just cut them loose. Maybe they just give them the NHL. Either way, you don't have to worry about Lindy Ruff for too much longer. Devils fans, he's not the answer there. And the organization's aware of that. Tom Fitzgerald, I think he's safe. I do like the way he has tried to build that roster. I think it's hard when you're a destination like New Jersey to get players to buy in. And they tried that with P.K. Subban. They tried that with some of the additions they made. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out in in the short term. But I still think there's potential to be had there between Jack Hughes, Nico Hiche. Pavel Zaka is another name that could potentially be moved at the deadline. A little bit more under the radar as a center. Been there for, I think he's 26 or 27 years old now. He's been there for a couple of years. And potentially could be of that, you know, second, third line center value to some contending teams around the National Hockey League. But don't uh, don't lose sleep at night about Lindy Ruff, Devils fans going into next year, maybe not even through the rest of this year. And uh, yeah, it's it's quite interesting how that team has tried so hard to mimic the New York Rangers path with the young talent they infuse, and unfortunately, they just it just didn't work out for them. So yeah, between Nico and and Hughes, and they have Dawson Mercer, who's been playing fantastic. Yes, for Brock. Yes, is one of yeah. I, I tell you every week in our D. He's if I'm starting a team tomorrow, I'm I'm taking Jesper Broad off that team because yeah. I love the way him and Joel Farabee are my two uh, all Metro Brett Merriman picks. I love the way they play the game. Just fast paced, hard nose, get in the corner, and and make plays. Just fast guys. And Alex Tuck has has blown me away too. He's another guy on that list that I just love the way he plays the game, but. Uh, we'll get out of New Jersey and we'll stay in the Metro. We'll go to New York. Flyers or Rangers, or excuse me, Rangers, Islanders, take your pick. We'll go with the Rangers right now because we kind of know what the Islanders are and we know that they're on the outside looking in. I think that they're really quick on the Islanders. I don't think you're going to see anything major out of the New York Islanders at the deadline this year. Now let's go Rangers. Adam Fox takes his first ever shootout attempt. Am I, was I hearing that correctly? I'm not sure if it was first ever or what it was. This season or something like that? I was like, oh, my God. How do you keep that guy up? that thing into bed. Good night, Jim Kite. You know, stuck it between the the, the A post of the net and the back bar. Beautiful. Beats Jonathan Quick. And what a sweat that game was for a Rangers money line better. You're looking at one. (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. Takes one to no one, Brett. Yeah, and then more on the rumors and speculation side of things. Has Ryan Strom played his way into a, well, we're just not going to trade this guy anymore? Who knows what the extension holds for Ryan Strom, but I believe he's played his way into, hey, whether we bring in another center or not, he's another rental that we're going to have, and we'll figure this out in the offseason. I mean, the chemistry he's had with you know that second line where they haven't really been able to find that right winger since Jesper Foss left. But between him and Artemi Panarin, the chemistry there is just unbelievable. Probably not the best finisher, Ryan Strom, but moves the puck well, plays the pivot 
does everything you can ask for out of a second line center right now. And the only way I could see the Rangers moving him, if there's a clear, clear upgrade and he has to go the other way in the deal. Yeah. He, him and between his, like his chemistry with Panarin evident. And I think Panarin, he, he seems like the type of guy who is, is vocal in personnel decisions. Like he, okay, you're our star player. You're going to have a little more leeway when it comes to talking to a guy like Chris Drury. He, that seems like a, he'd walk into his office and be like, what the fuck? Like we're, we're cooking with this guy. And now you just traded him to, you know, Colorado or whatever. That's, that's a guy that I want him on my team tomorrow. Ryan Strome. Yeah, no, like he plays, he does everything that Gerard Gallant has asked him to on the antithesis of that. I wonder what Philip Hedl's future is in New York. Going He's to the, like the odd man out, doesn't he? And if he is the odd man out and, I know Ranger fans, and I don't know what the Bruins fans are going to think. I know Ranger fans and their perception of what Heedle's value is around the league. And they might not be too happy with me for saying this. I wonder if, you know, because we know the Bruins are looking for a equally kind of fallen out of favor guy for Jake DeBrusque. I wonder if a Heedle for DeBrusque move makes sense for both teams and their needs. Maybe the Bruins give Heedle the shot at being a center that the Rangers have given to him and he hasn't really grown into that role. And DeBrusque is the type of winger that can kind of fill what the Rangers lost when Sam Blay went out with his ACL injury. Like I said, I'm sure some people are going to be unhappy with me. More so speculative. Maybe a little bit of veracity. The Rangers having interest in DeBrusque. The Heedle thing is speculative. But, you know, it's a name that potentially could be on the move for the Rangers. Obviously, it doesn't play into Gerard Gallant's system like they had hoped. And Jake DeBrusque might play into it a little bit better. And if that's the guy that the Bruins are looking for, I wonder if there's a connection to be had. Who is the more likely New York Ranger come the trade deadline, Riley Smith or Claude Giroux? That's a tough one. If if I would if I had to bet one or the other, and this is not saying it's a done deal or anything like that, if I had to bet one or the other, I'd say Riley Smith. He's you know he's we know what he does with Gerard Gallant, the comfortability with him with Ryan Reeves. He's got a great sense in the locker room. He's a free agent at the end of the year anyway. Vegas eventually will have to move cap dollars. Hopefully they time it with the long-term injured reserve. But I would say Riley Smith over Giroux just because of the Gerard Gallant factor. You can never underestimate that. But is that Giroux to New York? I wouldn't say it's dead. No, I wouldn't say it's dead in the water. I'd say that there's a list of contenders that Giroux would clearly be comfortable going to. And part of that list, besides the Colorado, which, you know, great friends with Nathan McKinnon and he fits, he would, be a shoe-in to fit in that Colorado Avalanche lineup. You know, talking about the East Coast teams that potentially he doesn't really have to uproot his family for, the Rangers, the Bruins, the Hurricanes. So I would still have them in the teams to watch in that in that list. I'd say more of the Rangers, the Canes, the Bruins as teams to watch for Giroux over like a Florida, you know? So like if he's going to stick in that area, I could see him sticking in the Metro with one of those cup contenders. But no, not dead in the water on Giroux to the Rangers, just more of a hey, they're a team that probably will be in the mix. Whether they get it done, that remains to be seen. Yeah, I, and I think that's kind of where we are. We're in the mix season, if that yeah. makes sense. Because trade that is too far away for for pressure at this point. But we're, we're certainly in the mix season. And because we kind of know who is going to buy, who's going to sell. So this is a time to 
set prices, right? Like Chikrin went from a, a prospect in a first to a prospect prospect in a first or a first prospect, right? The, the prices are starting to be set at this point. And I think names start to, those puzzle pieces start to fill in as we go on. Um, a guy that mentioned uh, something about Canada, I guess, Justin Falk said, yeah, we're going to go to Canada for a couple of games, meaning Calgary, and looking forward to getting out of there, meaning people are pretty tired in Canada or of playing in Canada and abiding by some of the major, major restrictions they still have in place. Elliot mentioned that that may make Canadian teams at the trade deadline a much less attractive location, but on the flip side, it may make um, Canadian teams much more attractive sellers. How do you see that affecting come March 21st? Well, I think the quote ranged true for many around the National Hockey League, and we've seen it. I mean, so many players have voiced their frustrations with the way that it's kind of went down between not having fans in the building, having games postponed because they don't have fans in the building, not being able to have their families around them as much as they'd like when they're on the road in Canada. So the frustration is kind of bubbling to a point where Justin Falk makes the comments that he does. I do, you know, tip my cap to the Calgary Flames. They tweeted after that game. I don't know if you got a chance to take a glimpse at that. After they beat them 7-1, the Calgary Flames tweeted out, now we know why the Blues couldn't wait to get the heck out of Canada. Yes. So kudos to them. Hat tip, golf clap, whatever you want to call it. But I think it reigns supreme for many. And unfortunately, the guys without no trade clauses really don't have a say. But if you're... You know, I don't want I don't want to beat a dead horse, but let's mention the suspects, the usual suspects, the Marc Andre Fleurs, the Claude Giroux, the Tomas Hurdles, right? Like if you're a guy that has that, you know, autonomy of where you go, I'm sure that weighs a major factor for the Canadian team. Not that there's many Canadian contenders that can really afford those guys. I mean, maybe Toronto, but cap wise, they're really out of it. But it does loom large if a player was presented with the opportunity to go to an Edmonton team or go to a Toronto team. Or, you know, if Montreal for some reason wanted to load up now a little bit, you know, for for the for the next couple, couple of seasons with some younger talent that is on the block. So, yeah, it will play a major factor. And, you know, kudos to Elliot for kind of breaking that down a little bit more. And I'm interested to see if after the deadline, I, myself, or anybody else starts to get, you know, whispers that a guy like a Fleury or a guy like a Giroux, you know, acts the trade to Canada because of those reasons. Makes sense. Let's talk about... Another thing that uh, family-related, social-related, we've seen a couple incidents of, uh, let's call it racist slash potentially racist conduct across a multitude of leagues the past uh, week or so. Now, I don't want to get into the weeds more than I'll say this. It is unacceptable um, to still be having these conversations because it's just wrong, right? It's just flat-out wrong. We are past that as a society to be doing anything that demeans another person based on the color of their skin. Now I will say uh, Jacob Panetta, the man who made the gesture towards um, Jordan Subban has since posted a video saying I was doing the tough man kind of thing. I see his point. Now here's my point. You can never do anything even close to a racial gesture that many have taken that as and, and, Jordan Subban obviously took, took it as because if Jordan Subban believes that it was, that's what it, that's what it was to him. So you don't even, don't even 
give close enough to be in that conversation and you should know better than that. And that's why it's still wrong. Yeah. Right? No, I a hundred percent. I think the, I think what many people have trouble, you know, uh, not to get into it, you know, like you said, the weeds are too much of a societal discourse here on the cold stove pod. But I think many people have a hard time differentiating the, Hey, you know, maybe he meant it in a very bad way, which if so, it's fucked up and he should be done from hockey for life. Or maybe yep. he meant the tough guy thing, but either way, it's the, it's the lack of awareness slash ignorance to the fact that, you know, who you're combating against in that sense. Mm-hmm. And you have to be a little bit more worldly than that. And I think that's, that's the issue here. So we're not here to say he did, didn't this, that, or the other thing. We're not the judge. We're not the jury, but we do, you know, discuss hockey in this podcast. And I think it's important to know it's wrong. If he meant it in that way, he should be banned for life. I think it's absolutely disgusting. And, you know, a lot of talk about performative actions about hockey, you know, being for everyone. It really should be for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think the more people that enjoy our great game deserve to be a part of it. Anybody who's interested should come along. And, you know, if he meant the tough guy thing, you have to have a better sense of awareness and it's still wrong totally. on his behalf. And I think that's the other part of it too, that people don't understand. If he didn't mean much- it doesn't mean he's, he's innocent. Here. It means he's right. got to have a little bit more self-awareness and a little bit more spatial awareness to the situation that he's in. And he's presented himself with, to do something like that. Sorry, I digress. There's a much easier tough guy gesture, by the way, and I'm doing it right now on the screen, and it is just flexing as you would like a a bicep curl with your arms up in the air, flexing. Do that if you meant the tough guy thing. Don't do something that can and will be interpreted as a racial gesture because that's what you get and that's what you deserve. Um, Chirps, by the way, like whether it's – uh, indigenous hockey players, black hockey players, Asian hockey players, uh, chirps have happened forever. And white guys get chirped and everybody gets chirped. And we're just, it's just, it's, it's done. We can't, we can't do the same shit that everybody was comfortable with growing up. And that's bottom line done. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's over. It's, it's just, over. it's the world we're in now. It's just yep. a losing battle. Whether you think it's okay or not, it's not. So let's just, right. you know, move on. So let's not do it. And it doesn't deserve a place in our game. Learn, educate yourself, root out ignorance and understand why you thought those trips might be funny or acceptable in the first place and understand they're not any longer. Capiche? Capiche. Let's go to the last thing I have for the week. NRD, the Canadian, oh, excuse me, the Olympic rosters are out and the Canadian roster is officially out. Now that I asked you that question last week, who are you excited to see at the Olympics from pick a roster? And why is it Dominic Cahoon in Germany, who I think will have an NHL contract shortly thereafter? Big Dominic Dominic Cahoon podcast we are. Um, I'm really excited to see Mason McTavish. Oh, yeah. On Team Canada. I think he's my guy. Really, uh, you know, proud dad moment for, for Ray Ferraro with his son Landon being selected to the team. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see that on Twitter. Um, that was cool to see, you know, that interaction, you know, father, son, just the pride I can't imagine. But Mason McTavish and that Team Canada roster, oh, and power, you know, I know, Brett, I know that's who you want to see on the world's biggest stage, but Mason Man, McTavish just, is my guy. Him and, and Devin Levi. Oh, yeah, forgot, that's you know. to the, uh, the future Devin Levi, the, the double. That's a double, you know, sense of pride. That's really nationalistic pride for you. Northeastern Husky, Buffalo Sabre, going to the Olympics, representing Team Canada. How about that, NRD? That is exciting. Um, you know, 
Canadian roster looks good. Eric Stahl's trying to play his way back into the NHL as well, being on that roster. So was Josh Jose. Another guy who, you know, he will get an opportunity. He's turned down opportunities in hopes that he got selected to this roster. He did. He's going to get a chance to go to Beijing and play and showcase his talents a little bit. And I think he deserves another shot. I think that in the case of Josh Hosang, yes, there are valid concerns about, you know, some things on the ice for Josh Hosang as a player. But let's not sit here and say that the best mesh for a kid developing is Lula Morello in that organization. So, you know, maybe with a little bit of a softer touch, I guess I'll put it that way, um, to how you handle Josh Hosang, the player, maybe he'd fit in in a different organization around the National Hockey League. So looking forward to him getting a shot at it again post-Olympics. Looking forward to Kenny Agostino, Matty Beniers, and Brennan Brisson as well from the United States team. But right now I think that roster is behind Canada. Um as far as on paper goes. Yeah, without a doubt. Not to mention looking forward to the women's Olympic teams. Uh, USA Canada is going to be a great fight as always. Um, and interested to see what happens there with the women's game afterwards too, because a lot of, it sounds like a lot of, whether it's coaches or girls that are there are going to be involved with NHL positions, PHF positions. There, there's a lot going on in the women's hockey game aside from the Olympics, that's going to be interesting to follow after Beijing. It seems like this is a real pivotal moment for, for women's hockey and women in hockey. So I'm excited for it. I'd like to see the fallout, you know, the good fallout after, you know, the team's return from Beijing and what happens, especially with my eye on Vancouver, as it looks like Jim Rutherford's priming himself to add some more very talented women to that front office. So it's exciting. I have one thing for you really quick. Hit me. Aaron Dell. What an asshole oh, that guy is. I, I had that in the rundown, and I'm sorry we skipped over it to talk DraftKings. What a scumbag. What an idiot. And you know what? I didn't know he has a history of this stuff. Yeah, I got a chance to see that. I was watching the uh, Oilers-Canucks game last night. Shouts to uh, Sportsnet on the ESPN Plus live stream feed. And they showed it in the intermission. Like, going back to 2018, this guy's been throwing dirty hits and slashing people. Not right. And yeah. quite honestly... I don't know if we've had a goaltender suspended for on-ice supplemental discipline. I don't know if it's even, you know, happened in history. But if it's going to happen, it's no nobody deserves it more than Aaron Dell. He should. Yeah. He should. Drake Batherson's out long-term. And, you know, I, I always go back and forth. Like, where do you fall in the debate that suspensions are given based upon the result versus the action? So what I mean by that is if Drake Batherson got up and was fine – what does that mean versus the fact that he's missing multiple weeks? I think it's a massive difference. And, you know, the NHL yeah. likes to say that we're impartial and we're objective and not subjective, but mm-hmm. there, you know, nobody is. We're all human. And I think to see yeah. a guy like that, which they haven't really said what the injury is yet. We know it's an ankle. I hope that it's a high ankle sprain as opposed to a broken ankle, but yeah. did not look good. And, you know, freak play. It's not like Aaron Dell took out his ankle, but that dangerous act throwing that elbow with him going behind the net like that sent him into the boards where the ankle got caught up. And quite frankly, I think that because of the injury, I think the book should really come down on Aaron Dell. I do too. You know what? Like it's one thing to turn your back as a goalie and kind of like get in his way. He looked at him and threw an elbow to an unsuspecting player. Like 
what are you thinking, dude? Absolutely. And he just got three popped on him. He sucks as a goalie anyway. He, he's he's the Sabres' fifth goalie, fourth goalie, and he blows. Like, I, I am more than happy to say that. He's a scumbag. I, I'm done with that shit. Yeah, Craig Anderson's back this weekend. He should be off the team. So there's there's no tolerance for that. And what's even scarier to me, to be honest with you, is that there wasn't a penalty called. No, no penalty, and you can't like you can't touch the goalie, so he can't get run or he can't get. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, and I think that's that's what Aaron Dell was trying to get away with, right? Yeah, there's a precedent that you can't touch the goalie. So if the goalie touches you, it's kind of really not a penalty. You know what I mean? It's like a gray area. The refs don't even look to call that. But yeah. when you slow that down and watch it on replay. It's no different than an elbowing call on any other position player on the ice. It was just a clear-cut elbow with the intent to injure. So, wrong on the refs. Hopefully, the league gets it right. He does have an in-person hearing or, you know, virtual hearing, which sets him up for more than two games or whatever it is. So, hopefully, you know, George Paros and whatever the hell they do in in the supplemental discipline office in the league does the right thing here and suspends him for three games plus. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Sabres are going to miss a guy who who has like an eight seventy save percentage. So, now, granted, they need people. Literally, just need bodies in the net because they. I, I'm telling you, Doogie House has been playing pretty well. Brick House, dude. Brick House. He uh, he had a great game the other. I, whether he played the Philly game or whatever it was, I, that might have been dealt too. But Craig Anderson uh, reportedly back this weekend at the ripe old age of 41. So he played well before and and maybe they can trade him at the deadline for something, but glad to see he has recovered. Uh, Dustin Tokarski, the other Sabres goalie still dealing with like COVID symptoms. uh, He's on month two and a half of having COVID. I feel terrible for the guy. Yeah. It's not a good sign, especially when they talk about, you know, the long COVID and what it potentially can do to your lungs. It's uh, something to watch out for. We hope he's all right. So, yeah, I will be hoping I'm, I'm all right too. Not well, no, uh, no lung issues thus far. But you here right now? I'm glad. I'm glad we I get to do it. this. Chop this, it up. This honestly, this pod got my energy going a little bit. So juice. Shouts to you, NRD. That'll do it. Anything else before we jump? Nope. Uh, appreciate it all. As always, I'm going to give you the same spiel. Like, rate, five stars. Leave a review. Tweet us a review if you can't write a review on Spotify, but you can leave five stars now. So we'd love to see it. And any and all feedback, we love it. Keep listening to Cold Stove Podcast. Absolutely. Appreciate everybody who interacts with us. We have the best fans in the world. I love seeing different fan bases get involved. Somehow they're always, you know, frustrated Islanders fans or Sabres fans or Devils fans. We, we seem to have a lot of those in our D, and I, I do appreciate them. The frustrated ones are always the most vocal. It's, it always seems to go that way, as, as I am one of them. So uh, give us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Follow us on Twitter at Cold Stove Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Schmerriman. Follow NRD at Twitter at NHL Rumors Daily. Maybe he'll even drop an NRD bet. So maybe like one play. I don't know if he's if he's that hot like he says. But he might need to share with the people. Well, we're gonna. So it's all part of the long play here. We're gonna need a couple more DraftKings reads. I'll start dropping the N- and, uh, NRD bets. We'll all make money together, and then we'll uh, we'll buy out the Ari- the Arizona Coyotes and turn them into the Austin Coyotes. We will not only call the games, but we will own the team. So. Who owns bad, the Coyotes? Bad oh. news on that front, NRD. Bad news. Uh-oh. The Austin Statesman, uh, the the paper, I should say, the Austin newspaper, the site where their entire facility is. Obviously, newspapers are sort of antiquated and don't need like 150 acres of land anymore. 
that has been sold and now the proposal for development has has come across everybody's radar here no hockey rink involved unfortunately it's all right but it's not a, it's not a done deal yet so there's still time if we we just have to come over the top on somebody there you go we'll do it keep like right. listen we need your support otherwise we can't afford the team so keep watching the, <laughs> keep listening to the podcast exactly and we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week peace